You're about to hear an AI talking to a human. Can you tell which is which? How can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. That was Google's duplex technology way back in 2018. And in case you're wondering, the caller was the AI. It certainly wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad either. And AI is getting better all the time, not just as a virtual assistant, but across a wide range of applications. Should you be worried about an AI taking your job? Could your next boss be an advanced computer? Should governments be preparing themselves for massive job losses? In this episode, we'll cut through the noise and help you to prepare for a world where an AI may be as smart or smarter than you are. I'm Michael Wade, a professor at the IMD Business School in Lausanne, Switzerland, and this is Management Under the Microscope. In each episode, we take a widely held assumption about business, management, or leadership, and we put it to the test, giving you an inside look into the facts behind the myths and helping you to become a better, more informed manager. When it comes to AI and its impact on employment, there are broadly two schools of thought. First, you have the optimists. These people don't deny that AI is replacing human jobs, but they believe that we will create new, better jobs for humans. After all, we've done this many times in our past. Then there are the pessimists. This group believes that AI will continue to get better and better, and over time will replace more and more human jobs. Those displaced humans will have difficulty finding new things to do, which will result in a kind of Wally-esque dystopian society where people become frustrated, lazy, and generally miserable. Each side has plenty of data to back up its position. On the optimistic side, the World Economic Forum estimates that advanced technologies like AI and robotics will lead to a net increase of more than 10 million jobs by 2025. On the pessimistic side, research firm Forrester predicts a net loss of 16% of all jobs by 2030. There's a lot of ground to cover, so we've split the topic into two separate episodes. Part 1 outlines the arguments made by the optimists, while Part 2 explores the world from the perspective of the pessimists. But for now, let's take a step back and explore how far we've come. By the middle of 1956, uh, we had our first artificial intelligence program going. This is Nobel Prize-winning behavioral economist Herb Simon being interviewed in 1985 about the early days of artificial intelligence. Very... Early on, as soon as it became clear to us that computers could do all kinds of symbol manipulation, not just number crunching, it seemed to us then that one could try to program computers to do uh, almost uh, anything that a thinking human being could do. In 1960, Simon made a prediction about when this was going to happen, saying that, in his view, machines would be capable of doing any work a human could do within 20 years by 1980. Clearly, this did not happen. Today, there are still many things that humans can do way better than machines, like running businesses, producing new technologies, and developing vaccines. But to understand why, and to get a sense of the trajectory that we're on, we should spend a bit of time defining what is meant by artificial intelligence. 
AI is usually defined as the ability of a machine to complete cognitive tasks that normally require human intelligence. In fact, there are three distinct levels of AI. First, there is ANI, which stands for Artificial Narrow Intelligence. This is the ability of an AI to specialize in a single area, like playing chess or recognizing the difference between a cow and a horse. In an ANI world, the AI can complete some tasks brilliantly, but ask it to do anything else and it will just look at you blankly. Examples of artificial narrow intelligence are all around us today. They are behind translation engines like Google Translate. ¿Cómo puedo ayudarte? They power virtual assistants like Siri, Alexa, and Cortana. Alarm set for 7.30 a.m. tomorrow. An ANI system may well be managing your money, navigating your car, organizing your inbox, or recommending your next holiday destination. Many things that would have seemed like science fiction 20 years ago are, well, just taken for granted today. But ANI was not the objective of AI pioneers like Herb Simon. They were envisioning AGI, AGI's artificial general intelligence, or the ability of a computer to perform as well as a human across the board, like your very own robotic butler. Having once been confident of AGI's imminent arrival, Simon admitted later in his life that he had underestimated the complexity of human cognitive abilities. But how close are we now in 2021? So when I speak to really optimistic scientists, they are talking about the 2040s uh, or, or at the best by 2050. That's Amit Joshi, a colleague of mine at IMD and a professor of AI, analytics and marketing strategy. Some will even uh, be brave enough to venture a date of 2047 is a date that I've heard a lot. Uh, then there's other scientists I've spoken to. So, and again, these, these are people who really know their stuff. They really know what they're talking about. They say they don't think they'll ever get there. But then are we holding AI to the wrong standard? After all, it doesn't need to be as good as we are at everything we do to cause a lot of disruption and harm. If I asked you, can planes fly? You would almost certainly say, yes, planes can fly. Now, if I asked you, can submarines swim? You might take a little longer answering. Why is this a harder question? It's because we swim. So when we think about swimming, we think about what we do, which is different than what submarines do. But if you think about the purpose of swimming to move through the water under your own power, then submarines do it as well or better than we do. The same can be said for thinking. When we ask, can computers think? We often subconsciously replace it with the question, can computers think like us? But is this the wrong standard to apply? My point of view on this is uh, humans have always sucked at copying nature. Okay, we've always, always, always tried to imitate nature to improve something. We failed at it. And then we figured out a way around nature. Let me give you an example. We, you've all seen, we've all seen how we tried to fly first, right? We've seen those funny videos, black and white, of you know, people attaching wings to their back and jumping off cliffs and you know, not good things happening to them. We tried to copy nature by saying, you know, let me try to fly like a bird. Didn't work out well for us. What did we do? We invented an engine. We invented the jet engine. We invented a propeller. There's no such thing in nature as a jet engine. 
Okay, it's completely artificial. So we fly today not by mimicking nature, but by bypassing it. Machines may not think like us, and attempts to simulate the brain may fail. But that doesn't mean that they can't achieve the same results through a different method. Just as we mastered flight without flappable wings, I asked Amit Joshi if he considered himself an AI optimist or pessimist. I like to think of myself as an AI realist, and I'll tell you why. I'm personally a little pessimistic about AI's capabilities itself, which is what makes me an optimist about applying AI in our world. Amit Joshi thinks that many of the claims about the disruptive power of AI have been oversold. He's probably right. AI today is at best at the A and I level, where it excels at a few areas such as categorizing pictures and solving complex mathematical problems, but it's pretty far behind human beings in most other things. Even celebrated examples like TV recommendation engines and email spam filters are far from perfect. But what about its impact on employment? Should we be worried that artificial narrow intelligence is about to put millions of people out of work? I do not think AI is going to cause a huge amount of unemployment. This is going to be more of an evolution rather than a revolution. We'll see certain jobs ebbing away, certain people not being replaced after they retire. I don't think there's going to be one fell swoop where somebody turns on a switch and all of a sudden hundreds of thousands of jobs disappear. This is not something that's going to happen. That is not how this technology works. That is not how this revolution is going to play out in my mind. Amit Joshi thinks we still have a long way to go before AI causes widespread disruption in the employment markets. So I asked him what type of jobs are likely to be replaced in the short term. The characteristics of jobs that are going to get replaced by AI in the short run are the, the classic four Ds of robotic process automation, which is dull, dirty, dangerous, and dear. Cleaning sewages. I mean, who, who who really likes to do that, right? I mean, people get paid to do that today, but that's really not a not a fun job. That's that's dirty, dangerous. I mean, clearing minefields. Why do we need to send human beings to do that today? And dear, really, really expensive, high-end jobs, which is why we usually don't have humans execute stock trades anymore. We just have machines do them for us. So it's going to be purely driven by economics and feasibility rather than by technology. Amit Joshi calls himself an AI realist, but the picture he paints of our future with AI seems pretty rosy to me. AI will take over the dirty, unsafe, and expensive tasks that we don't want to do, and we'll find other new and exciting things to keep us busy. This is a point of view that's shared by quite a lot of people, including computer pioneer and philanthropist Bill Gates, speaking here in 2018 at the World Economic Forum in Davos. If we could actually produce twice as much as we make today uh, with less labor, you know, the purpose of humanity is not just to sit behind a counter and sell things. More free time is not a, a terrible thing. This is not a case of shortage. Now, the government, in terms of adjusting and having a safety net that works, and so people can get retrained, it will be challenges because the rate of change will be faster. In these next twenty years than it's been before, but this is a a problem of excess where you can make everything, and so can you redirect people to help the elderly, to reduce class size, to help out kids with special needs? You'll have the resources because you'll just be so much more productive. History provides some support for this view. Singularity author, futurist, and Google director of engineering Ray Kurzweil 
likes to make the comparison to the world of 1900. At that time, 38% of people worked on farms and a further 25% worked in factories. He notes that if you were told that those numbers would drop to 2% and 9% by 2020, you might well have panicked, thinking that in the future there'd be no jobs left for humans. But 120 years later, this of course is not the case. For every job lost to farming and manufacturing, many more have been created in fields like computing and telecommunications that didn't even exist in 1900. The same could be argued for today. AI may take away human jobs, perhaps many millions of them, but like in the past, we will replace them with other jobs, even if it's not clear what they will be right now. At some point in the early 21st century, all of mankind was united in celebration. We marveled at our own magnificence as we gave birth to AI. AI? You mean artificial intelligence? A singular consciousness that spawned an entire race of machines. We don't know who struck first, us or them, but we know that it was us that scorched the sky. That was from the 1999 movie The Matrix, which, like so many works of science fiction, portrays the negative aspects of AI. Think of everything from 2001 A Space Odyssey to The Terminator to Ex Machina. How often have you watched a Hollywood movie where the AI was the good guy? Earlier, I said there were three forms of AI, and we never got to the final one. So here it is. ASI stands for Artificial Superintelligence, and it describes AI systems that are better than humans across all dimensions. And advances in computing power are clearly having an impact. In 1940, computers were able to process about one calculation per second. We have basically doubled that number annually ever since. So that by the mid-1950s, when Herb Simon and his colleagues were playing around with the first AI systems, the best computers could process about 2,000 calculations a second. By the time 2021 rolled around, they could process around 3.6 times 10 to the power of 16 calculations a second. That's a big number and pretty hard to put into perspective. So let's use an analogy to make it easier to visualize. I live close to the Lake of Geneva, which happens to be the largest lake in Central Europe. Let's say for some reason it lost all its water and is completely empty. And let's equate one drop of water to one computer calculation per second. If the first drop entered the lake in 1940, then in 1941, two drops go in, in 1942, four drops, and so forth, by doubling in this manner, it would take more than 60 years until this year, 2021, for the lake to reach 1 16th of its capacity. It would still look pretty empty. However, doubling every year, just four years later, in 2025, it would be completely full. And the same logic can be applied to AI. It has taken us a long, long time to get to where we are today. And along the way, we've had at least two so-called AI winters, where great excitement about advances in technology led to oversized expectations about how our world would be transformed, only for them to disappoint upon delivery. In both cases, the underlying computer power was insufficient to meet the needs of the applications. Is it any different today? It's hard to say, but the exponential increase in computing power is not slowing down, and the AI lake is filling up faster today than ever before. One thing for sure 
is that the time it takes to go from artificial narrow intelligence to artificial general intelligence, or from Siri to a machine that is clever as a human, is going to be a whole lot longer than it takes us to go from artificial general intelligence to artificial superintelligence. From a robot human to a superintelligent machine like that imagined in the Matrix. And we've never had to share our planet with anything else that is smarter than we are. In part two of our exploration of the impact of AI on employment, which is live on this feed right now, we'll hear the case made by the AI pessimists. Then we'll spend some time looking at possible solutions. How can we prepare for AI as individuals? And what can we do as a society to ensure that AI and humans continue to live together in relative harmony? <laughs> 